um, when you don't have the ability to go out and do big things, it's just really, really nice to just do something different. That's actually I, like why I picked up photography so much in the past year or two. I got a film camera because I was just so bored of my life and it seemed like every day was the same again and again. So I found that having a camera to go around and to try to take a different angle on these things that I was seeing repeatedly was just so good for my mental health. All of a sudden it tried to like help me find the beauty in it. Hey, Wildly Basic listeners, welcome back and thank you for tuning in again. I am so stoked to introduce our guest today, Emily. She is a friend of mine whom I met at the Bouldering Co-op in Kingston, Ontario. She's also a master's student at Queen's University, a dedicated environmental advocate, and a talented photographer. To me, this episode feels like sitting next to a campfire having a deep talk with an awesome pal. Emily shares her perspectives on personal identity, including her relationship with the term granola girl, finding community in the outdoors, and making activities your own no matter what level you're at. She's got a lot of wisdom to share and draws on her experiences in hiking, traveling, climbing, cycling, and more. Speaking of cycling, we are so grateful to partner with Dirt Series, an organization and community that runs co-ed and women's only mountain biking skills camps. No matter where you're at with your riding, they've got a program for you. We have a 10% off discount code, WILDPOD22, that you can use to register for any Dirt Series Canadian camp. Again, that's W-I-L-D-P-O-D-2-2, all capital letters there. Check out our social media for more info on that, and stay tuned for our next episode where we will be interviewing the Managing Director of Dirt Series. Okay, y'all, back to the show. Let's jump in. As usual, let us know your feedback. Basic, a podcast about everyday badass women who love the outdoors and are unafraid to be unapologetically themselves in the backcountry, regardless of norms and expectations. I'm Emma. And I'm Allie. On this podcast, we hope to share our love of backcountry shenanigans with those like us, those that inspire us, and those that are excited to discover their interest in the outdoors. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back. Um, we're here again with a really exciting episode with a very unique and interesting guest, uh, my friend Emily, who I met at the Kingston Bouldering Co-op in Kingston, Ontario, obviously. Um, so obviously before we kind of launch into stuff, I think it would be good, Emily, if you could kind of intro yourself and maybe a bit about what you do for your nine to five life as well as your other hobbies. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for having me. I am a grad student at Queen's University. I'm finishing up my master's right now in molecular biology, trying to make a more sustainable way to make bioplastic. I love doing that, but I also love not doing that. And when I'm not doing that, I am really into climbing. I am really into film and digital photography. I have been setting goals for bicycling and trying to get out there a bit more and spending time with people because, yeah, that's really just the best part of it all. Emily, I feel like this recording is like long overdue. We've been planning it for so long and just 
you know, things come up as they do. And I'm just so excited to have you and get to know you a bit better because I've heard so many good things from Allie. I'm really excited for other people to hear Emily talk because she and I, especially over the winter, because we did some skiing together and we had some long drives together to get into some like juicy uh, conversation topics. And we had some really good deep talks and life chats. And I, I personally find her a super interesting person to talk to. And I, I hope that people who listen are going to get a lot out of it the same way that I have. Amazing. Well, let's get into it then. Um, but yeah, in addition to being a really great conversationalist, I also see you, and I think, you know, this came out in your intro for yourself as a bit of a kind of Jane of all trades person. You've got a lot of hobbies, some of them outdoors, some of them not, some of them both like photography, for example. So with all of that in mind, like, how do you feel like you define yourself or your, your identity as a person who enjoys the outdoors? That's a good question. Um, I think it's hard to answer other than I just call myself granola girl in my head sometimes if I'm like berating myself. Um, And yeah, kind of just roll with that. Wait, a granola girl? What do you mean by that? I think there's so many different ways to answer that. And I think it's really different for different people. Um, But for me, I just like to bicycle. I like to go hiking outside. Um, I don't know anything about birds, but I really like looking at them. So I think it's just kind of, um, this is going to sound so funny to say, but almost a lifestyle choice. And it doesn't really matter what you put into like your basket as Granola Girl, but you can just kind of define it yourself. And for me, that really changes depending on like injuries or seasons or like the opportunities available. So yeah, once again, hard to just define like that. On the West Coast, like the term granola kind of refers to a stereotype here. Are you familiar? Yeah, for sure. Um, do, you, do you identify at all with those aspects when you're calling yourself granola girl in your head? Or is it really like, oh, no, this is a blank slate and, you know, you can make it your own, just like how we define wildly basic sometimes. So to make sure we're talking about the same thing, how would you define granola girl? Um, kind of like what you said about caring about sustainability, um, your, like in my head, a granola girl has a very distinct uh fashion sense like they're wearing very specific clothes um they're kind of like very in tune with themselves and with nature and they're more down to earth is how they would characterize themselves Ali do you have anything to add I think for me the biggest thing that stands out when I think of granola girl is the Emma like you mentioned kind of the fashion sense I think they wear a lot of like outdoor um clothing a lot of thrift shopping um which is also kind of related to the sustainability thing. And I also think about the diet aspect. Like to me, someone who's like a granola girl eats really healthy, like maybe a vegetarian or vegan, maybe not. They definitely drink kombucha in my kind of stereotype of a granola girl. Okay, so I can't say that I don't fit all of those. I make my own kombucha at this point. I feel like it's getting a bit ridiculous. However, I like the idea of a more fluid definition because it's not fun putting people into boxes that way. And so even if it's fun to just kind of like talk about it with friends like this, um, a lot of these outdoor spaces are just full of people that have this kind of identity or are working towards it. And in order to make it as inclusive as possible, I think it's important that we keep that kind of blank slate and um, make sure that even if, you know, you're not vegan, you don't, you know, shop at only like Whole Foods, et cetera, et cetera, that there's room for everyone. 
And I think that I also try to be gentler with myself because sometimes I have this expectation for myself that I'll, you know, I won't eat meat and I'll do this and I'll do that. But, but now I eat meat and I haven't always fit every expectation or idea of myself that I have. So it's nice to be gentle in that way as well. I recall actually this just brought something to mind Emily because this is another thing that in one of our various life chats you said to me where you were kind of talking about when you are in a bigger city and you have lived in a lot of um, cities as opposed to kind of small town areas in your in your life um, fitting in with a certain identity is also kind of how you find friends and how you find your people do you think that kind of identifying with that granola girl vibe helped you um, find a community or was it part of your process of finding friends and stuff? Yeah, I think that identity is such a funny question. I feel that whenever I go to places where I feel more and more anonymous, so, you know, when starting university or when living in a bigger city, I try harder to make my identity, my hobbies more visible. And I am sure that other people do this more. I have not seen more approach shoes for climbing worn in the city than in Toronto because everybody that's into climbing is just trying to signal so hard that they're into climbing. Um, Patagonia is like a lifestyle for people, I think, in bigger cities and Arcteryx and everything that just want it to be known that that's their niche. And that's how you find people. Whenever I moved to a new city, you know, so I started in Ottawa, grew up there, went to Ottawa U for a year, got super bored and decided to totally change my life. And I switched to Concordia for Montreal in biology in my second year. And because I was so young, I was 18, I was still trying to figure myself out. So joining the outdoors club and going to weekly meetings and just showing your face, making friends is really how I developed into the person that I am today around these people that have had all these really great experiences and are so knowledgeable with all sorts of skills and sports and everything. And yeah, being in that bigger city, I just really, really went hard into the outdoor community. I got involved in the Burning Man community. And actually, my toxic trait is getting kind of drunk and telling people I almost went to Burning Man. Um, and, okay, I did go to regional burns and to like, you know, parties in the city, but I'm going to move on from that because I'm just falling into my toxic trait now. But um, I think that you know, adopting this outdoor identity is so good for making friends. Whenever anyone moves to a new city, even if they're not into climbing, I tell them, go to the gym. That's where gonna, that's gonna be where you find your people, just like take up climbing or take up whatever hobby that you're into. Cause um, it's just where you find the best people. Totally changed my life. I transferred universities from New Ottawa to Concordia, moved to downtown Montreal. And there were so many people and so many different kinds of people. So once again, getting into outdoor spaces and trying to learn as much as possible has been pretty much the, the way that I make friends. I, I was actually going to say, I completely relate to what you're saying. Like finding a community through the outdoors is, well, it's a story that's like all too familiar to so many people um, that I've talked to and that I hang out with on a daily now. I haven't found another sphere that has given me that same, um, yeah, that same community, but I completely relate to what you're saying and like finding an identity through that. It feels like the journey that as corny as it says, or as corny as it is to call it a journey, it's really what it feels like from same with you, Emily, from when I was 18 in first year to now, I just feel like I've completely morphed into this person that I'm way more proud of 
Yeah, totally. You know, I actually have a theory about that. I feel like when people are in the city, you're kind of on defense. There's tons of people and everybody wants something from you, it seems. Um, like especially school and there's just, there's a lot of demands on your time and attention. Um, but when you need to go outside, you have all these people and you become a team because you have to, to be dramatic sometimes, but you have to survive out there, or at least be comfortable, make sure everyone's got their sunscreen and their snacks. And you don't have these rules that you find in the city anymore. So it's just such a good place to actually get to know someone. And you just go through like those few layers really, really fast. The outside onion layers, you can kind of get to the good raw onion underneath. That is exactly it. I completely support your theory now. And now I can share this theory with other people because I feel like it's been a question mark over my head. Like, hmm, do other people get this feeling? Like, are there other communities that I could be getting this from? But maybe you're right. Maybe it is very unique to the outdoors. You know, you'll go on a couple of day camping trip with someone. Like I've done it with strangers even. And I feel like after that, you know, weekend with them, I'm like, I feel like I know this person so much more than some of my close friends that I've known for years. And it's probably because we've just spent a couple of days filling our basic needs together and acting as a team. Like you really get to know somebody. So when you are not able to get into that space where you can get to know people better and go do things in the outdoors, I know we've have kind of chatted before about this idea of like, how do you fill that need to feel like you're having an adventure or to feel like you're making close connections? Because I do think it's addictive. Like once you start getting outside, if you spend too long in the city or in a concrete jungle, you just feel antsy or bad or down or whatever it is. You you feel like, you know, after a length of time, a really strong urge to get back out there. And I know that you're really good at finding ways to um, stay positive or fill your time when you can't get out. Um, so do you want to share some of those with our listeners? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, just like you said, adventure can be super addictive and I'm just not having it if I can't do adventure as much as possible. And I try to define it really, really loosely. So before I used to just try to go outside as much as I could and I would get unhappy if I couldn't, blah, blah, blah. But especially in grad school or during the pandemic, sometimes that's just not possible. So instead I have tried to take different walks home or when going to the grocery store, trying something like a different brand or even, you know, renting a car and driving around town for a day. Um, when you don't have the ability to go out and do big things, it's just really, really nice to just do something different. That's actually a, like why I picked up photography so much in the past year or two. I got a film camera because I was just so bored of my life and it seemed like every day was the same again and again. So I found that having a camera to go around and to try to take a different angle on these things that I was seeing repeatedly was just so good for my mental health. All of a sudden it tried to like help me find the beauty in it. And once again, translating that to adventure, if you can go to the health food store and you can try out a new kind of raisin that you didn't know existed. I, for anyone that doesn't know, I fucking love raisins. It's, uh, you can call that an adventure. And if you say it enough times, it feels like it's true. I feel like I don't even know how to respond to that because it just is so um, insightful. Like, I, I'm like, why, yeah, why not? Why can't a new raisin be an exciting thing? Why can't that be the highlight of my day? Or why can't a different walk home be the highlight of my day? It kind of comes back to this idea that, like, you have to do something big or badass or exciting in order for it to be an I'm using air quotes here, an adventure or an exciting experience. And I love that you kind of take the time to use these little things as, as 
exciting highlights of your day or adventures? It's uh, it's giving me main character vibes. Like, you know, that whole trend of like, oh, make yourself the main character. I'm a huge supporter of that one. Maybe it's just because I also love attention, but <laughs> like I, the days where I'm like, you know what? No, today I'm going to, I'm going to be the main character of my life. I feel so much better. I feel empowered. I feel confident. I see the beauty in these small things and I'm able to make maybe what would be typically considered a small or not insignificant adventure feels like, you know, an accomplishment of my day. I feel more productive and I'm happier when I go to bed making yourself the main character and really getting excited for your own life, regardless of what your day looks like. Totally. It's all about romanticizing your own life. And, you know, if you think about it, you can make almost anything romantic. Um, I want to double back on the granola girl identity because I've noticed even doing the podcast, like I definitely feel more confident in my identity and, and the role that I'm assuming in the outdoor, in the outdoor spheres. But at the same time, I feel I, I don't want it to become a box that defines me solely and kind of like what you were saying, I want it to be a bit more fluid. And I hope our listeners do feel the same way. Like when we define wildly basic, I hope they don't just think like, if I'm not wearing, you know, Lululemon and if I'm not super comfortable taking a photo shoot at the top of a mountain, then I can't be a part of this brand. And that's not true. And it's a fluid definition. And I hope people take what they want to take and create other aspects of that identity where they see fit. Do you ever feel, do you ever feel boxed in Emily? I try not to take other people's expectations too seriously, but I do definitely feel a pressure to perform. So I've been climbing casually for six years now, seven years. Um, I have had tons of injuries along the way and I've only like started climbing consistently for a year or so or two. And it really sucks when you have injuries or you're just not feeling your best and you can't climb like you could like half a year, a year ago. So I feel like I'm always making excuses. And to anyone that knows me and climbs with me, I'm sure you know that. So I kind of feel like to define myself as a climber, I have to be able to send a certain grade, but that's just not true. Um, If I really think back on it, I've been defining myself as a climber since I was like 15, just climbing gazebos and trees. I once got pulled out of summer camp because I needed a tetanus shot because I was climbing the roof of something. So not so much a pressure to fit into a box, but a pressure to be good enough almost at these sports to deserve to be in the box. Actually, yeah, I totally feel the same way. I catch myself often. Um, especially around Squamish where there's a big climbing community, people will be like, oh, um, are you a climber? And I'll be like, no, no, I'm not a climber. My roommates are all climbers. They all climb really hard. And I just sometimes go out with them. Like I still to this day can't be comfortable with labeling myself that way because I don't feel like I perform at a high enough level. This is something that Emily Emily and I even joked about the first time we went uh, ski touring because we kind of, (laughs) we kind of just basically woke up one day and we were like, we heard about this cool place in Ontario, like where you can basically hike up and ski down. Um, Let's just go. Like we've never done this before. We don't have all the gear that, but let's just go. And we were so worried about people not thinking we were legit or like that we weren't good enough skiers or that we weren't experienced enough that we made all these jokes about being like telling people that we tried climb and and like trying to make ourselves seem legit. And like, it was all totally joking, but it actually kind of has some truth to it where it's like, if you're going into this place and you're like, yeah, I'm going to this backcountry ski spot. I need to make sure that I show up and that I 
come here with the right attitude and the right skill set. And I need people around me to know that I'm badass and that I do this shit. And it's like, why do we, why do we feel the need to let people know that? Yeah, that's so funny. I remember you had stickers on your car of all the places you traveled. And I was like, yeah, they're going to think we're outdoorsy with that. Or, you know, our setup was so jank. It was resort skis strapped to our backpacks, snowshoeing up, you know, like just a little bit messy uh, when it comes to backcountry skiing. But it was just, it was so fun. And honestly, we started to talk to people about it and we made those self-deprecating jokes, but like they weren't there for it. They were always like, oh no, that's kind of cool. And it was just a really good experience. I think it's a really common experience here on the West Coast where there's so many activities that you can do all year round and there's so many people just doing them at the most intense levels. It really does feel like I don't have a right to even be in this space if I'm not performing at this top tier like mountain biking, skiing, climbing. Like, I just feel like everywhere I go, I'm surrounded by these basically semi-professionals. And I'm like, how, I'm so sorry for even being in your space, like, and taking up the air that you're probably using for this activity. I'm sorry, I'm going to go home. I feel this way, but I hope nobody feels this way. How are you even supposed to know that you want to even do an activity if you don't give it a shot? And there's so many barriers to getting in and we don't need, we don't need to talk about them right now, but it's almost impossible to expect somebody to just be amazingly good and have all the gear and know exactly what they're doing the first time they go out. And how are they supposed to know that all of those things are even worth trying or getting into or buying if they haven't tried it yet? First of all, you know, as a white woman coming into these spaces, it's easy to feel intimidated, but I still come into these spaces with tons of privilege you know, there's the privilege of that, but also the privilege of having a background of, you know, I've been climbing for a while, skiing for a while and feeling like, you know, maybe you're not at that level, but you know, you have some ground to stand on, but it is just so intimidating going into something totally, totally new. I know we, we are talking a bit about, oh, how do you even know that you want to do something? It's intimidating to get in when you're new. All of that is super true, but I also think that we need to talk about or make space for people who have been doing something for years and years and just do it at a very casual or recreational level, we need to make that an okay thing to do, to just do something at a casual level because you enjoy it. Because at the end of the day, that's why we're all doing it. One person in particular told me that they had been climbing, they've been climbing for about 12 years. They don't climb very high grades, but they absolutely love climbing and they've been doing it for a long time and they have a ton of climbing knowledge and they have a ton of climbing experience. But when they go to the gym, and people see them climbing the easy problems or the, or the easy routes, they say, oh, are you new? When did you start climbing? Blah, 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 blah. And it's this assumption that if someone's not climbing intensely, they must be new. Why would you ever just continue on casually doing something? Why would you not want to be one of those semi-professional people that, that Emma talked about? Oh my God, literally at me. Like that's so me in the gym. I'm sitting there and I like, and trying the lowest grade climbs because that's all I can really try at the, at the gym here in Squamish. And I like, I'm paranoid. Like I'm kind of anxious that people are going to assume that I'm a beginner and they're going to try to like, I don't know, give me unsolicited advice, or I'm just going to make a fool of myself. Or they're going to be like, get this beginner out of here. I'm trying these hard climbs and she's crowding my space. Like it actually affects my time at the gym for sure. Like I've had moments where I find I find myself going to the gym and I avoid the new area because it's crowded with like a bunch of people trying it. And I just go and I try the same thing over and over again, because I'm too afraid to step in 
the space or step in the way of the really hard climbers. And I have been climbing for like four years now, (laughs) but I get like, what we're talking about is imposter syndrome. Like we can call it what it is. It's a sentiment that so many feel in so many different areas of their life. And it's one that's being talked about a bit more too, which I love to see, but like imposter syndrome in the outdoors in more recreational spaces is so real. First of all, the term imposter syndrome, I think that gets thrown around a lot. I hear that word all the time in in medicine when I'm reading, like I follow a lot of feminist pages on Instagram. It seems like every second post is about imposter syndrome, et cetera. It gets thrown around a lot, but I think what we're talking here about here is like a pretty concrete example of how that can kind of manifest, especially like in the outdoor world. And I also like this idea of leisure athlete. I know Katie Burrell, who we've talked about before, great, hilarious mountain biker on Instagram slash skier. Please follow her. She's amazing. She uses that term leisure athlete a lot. I think that's something we can also kind of a lot of people can identify with. Um, Emily, do you feel like you have any like experiences or ways in which you like relate to either of those terms, like imposter syndrome, leisure athlete, or some of the things that Emma was kind of bringing up? I mean, all of those things. I have some really funny stories to me about cycling. Um, I had this really great friend, I have this great friend, Sophia, and I remember meeting her at the climbing gym and I was like, yeah, I've been cycling a lot this summer, like blah, 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 like I'd love to go on a cycle with you. And she's like, oh, like, I'm not that good. I haven't done that much yet, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, like we'll do this cute little 30K and like we do it. And she's like two times faster than me. And like, oh, it was kind of embarrassing, but also like very fun. I love spending time with her. And then that was the day that I realized that I am just a slow cycler. And um, later on that summer, I was climbing or I was cycling with Sophia again and our friends Mia and James and Will. We went out to Wolf Island, just this huge, like beautiful, farmy island across the water from Kingston. And, you know, I put everyone together. I figured out the route and I was like, yeah, you know, not really sure how fast people are going to go. And like for a while I was setting the speed and I was like worried that people wouldn't be able to catch up. It turns out I am still just a slow cycler, but definitely some imposter syndrome and some humbling there, but I think it's okay. Something I've tried to do is to lean into the fact that, you know, like maybe I am just not that good, but for what, you know, like I'm not trying to get sponsorships. I'm not trying to maintain any kind of career. So you don't really have to be doing things at a high level is what I'm telling myself. You just, I mean, I try to prioritize like a healthy, active lifestyle and it does not matter how good you are at it. And honestly, it's kind of funny if you're shit. I think it's really important that people reflect on, you know, what they're getting out of an activity because it really makes you realize like, oh, actually my, my overall performance, like what, what grade I climbed today, how far, how fast I bike or run or what elevation I get to, like none of that actually matters. Honestly, a lot of my climbing journey has been just overcoming my fear of heights. Like that, that seems so small to some people, but to me, it actually has been like the biggest thing that I can pull from climbing is just like, oh, I, I don't cry now when I'm high up on a wall and I used to cry. It's an intrinsic thing. It's about what you're getting out of it. And it doesn't at all matter how other people perceive you doing the activity, right? Yeah, totally. And I mean, I really want to say I also have like a horrible fear of heights. I have an entire album on my phone of like candid pictures of me hiking where I'm not posing and I just look really upset because I'm so high up, just like fucking terrified. Um, So yeah, I feel like getting over that fear of heights and like 
takes a lot of mindfulness. It takes a lot of concentration and you can really take that with you in your life. Have you found that? I mean, not just like the fear of heights for sure in climbing, but also just recognizing when I'm scared or uncomfortable and realizing it's okay. And then pushing through that. I mean, that extends to definitely all of my outdoor activities, but also you know social situations and uh, situations I've encountered at work. Like it's so applicable. And I mean, then now I'm going to go on a tangent about how great the outdoors is for so many other reasons and so many other things you can learn. But, um, I was going to say like the little things are so rewarding. Yeah. That's a really good way of looking at it. I like the idea of not just thinking about even just the outcome sometimes, but just in being in the moment, like you were talking about and just enjoying it while you're doing it. Like I find that I do sometimes get in my head or I'll be like, oh, this climbs a 10, whatever, which is like at my limit of climbing. And I, and I really want to send it because it's going to be one of the hardest climbs I've done. And I'll sometimes enjoy that climb less than something that's a bit easier that I just say, oh, this looks fun. I'm just going to try it. And then I get up there and I feel like really flowy and natural and the movements feel good. And I get to the top and I realize that I was just in this flow state or like in this zone the whole time because I was just focusing on what I was doing and enjoying what I was doing. Yeah, I love that. Also, something that this is reminding me of is just the idea of allowing to show weakness in outdoor spaces. Yeah, that's just not necessary. And I really like what you guys are talking about, like always in Wildly Basic. And it just seems like you're really promoting kind of flowing into that feminine energy and, you know, getting to put down your walls a little bit. And yeah, accepting that you may not be like at limit all of the time is just totally chill. Actually, the first time that I, you know, heard the spiel about your podcast, I was like, I would never climb in Lululemon. Like, oh, like I'm not the person that would like take pictures like at the top of the mountain. That was just like my first reflexive thought. And then I was like, okay, like, why did I think that? And um, I've been leaning into it a lot more. So I was climbing last weekend with uh, Niagara Glen with our friends, Will and James. And I was like, no, like, can you take a picture of me? I brought my DSLR because I'm like trying to get more into sports photography and I was taking pictures of them. And I was like, no, like, can you guys take pictures of me now? And it's not something that I would have felt comfortable doing before, but it's just totally fucking fine. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, Ali, it's our first success story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even me who behind those fun ideas, like even I get insecure sometimes like Ali and I just this past week we hiked the chief which is a a pretty small touristy hike here in Squamish and we were at the top with our friend Elizabeth who's been on the podcast before and we had this like photo shoot at the top and we even brought like second outfits like in case we wanted to switch into them like dresses and something like something we would never hike up in and at first even like the day before or like while we were hiking up I was a little like apprehensive I was like oh do I want like I know the top's gonna be full of people and do I really want to be that person but I was like ah let's just lean into it a bit more and then it was super fun and you know we laughed the whole time and we were just having a good time every time that I lean into it a bit more I'm like oh my gosh that was fun and I'm just glad that I made it my own so if you want to go up there and do it, like those people are probably wondering why they didn't bring a second outfit because you guys are probably having more fun than they are. Just speaking about the chief, it reminds me, Ali had just come back. She's visiting from um, Kingston, Ontario. And so we got together and we were like, let's do something fun. Like, let's all hang out. We haven't seen each other in so long. And then we hiked the chief. And in my head, I'm thinking, should we be doing something more epic? Like, 
I've hiked the chief before, you know, there's endless amounts of trails that I haven't even tried here. Like, should I be doing something cooler? And then I was like, why am I even going there? Like, why am I doubting myself and and putting this pressure and expectation on myself? This isn't fun. And you know what? I'm going to go hike the chief and I'm going to have a good time. I mean, I have suffered in the outdoors a lot. And whenever you pick something that's easier, you're like, okay, but like, how can I make myself like want to cry during this? Like, am I going to get enough blisters? How do I make sure that I'm like malnourished, you know, just to like really feel like I'm having like, you know, like at limit again. But it's just, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, like you can hike the chief and just have a good time with your friend because it's not really about the crazy things you do. It's not really about like satisfying FOMO. It's just about, you know, like breathing as you're going up that mountain and taking in how fucking blue the sky is, you know? Yeah, honestly, FOMO. That's another thing. Like that's, that is an emotion I feel like when I'm not doing something epic, you know, I'll go out for a ski and we'll do whatever we do, my friends and I, and we'll accomplish whatever goals we set for that day. And we'll come home and then I'll go on Instagram and I'll see, you know, what other people skied. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I go and do that couloir? Why didn't I try that gully? Why didn't I summit this mountain? Why did I choose to do what I just did today instead of, you know, taking it to the next level? I think on that topic too, we've talked a bit about imposter syndrome. We talked about the whole leisure athlete identity situation, but there's this weird concept of that you're supposed to go into the slot of what level of epic you're supposed to be at. So for example, when we hike the chief, I've done that hike multiple times and I've been with people where we'll be like, oh, let's pass these slow tourists. Like kind of you have this mentality of like, I'm kind of too good to be on this hike. Like I should be faster than these other people. But then you'll do something that's above your level and you feel out of place because you're like, oh my God, everyone else is going faster than me. And like, I, maybe I took on too much. Like maybe this hike is too much for me. And so then it's like, at what point do you just say I'm exactly where I should be and I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. And I think Emma's touching on that with the skiing thing. That's relatable. Um, And I think that it's really good to reframe your day and just assess your priorities. Like, are your priorities to go out there and ski like the hardest thing there is? And like, you know, they might be and like, you know, God bless, do it. But, um, you know, I like to think of my priorities as the people that I'm spending time with, um, the relationships that I'm building, or if I'm getting to see a new place Yeah. I think what we're trying to say is if you want to ski some epic line or climb at your max or whatever the epic of the day is, all the power to you, we are not against that. And you know what? I hope I have many days in my future that look like that. But what we're trying to say is it doesn't always have to be like that. And if you feel the pressure to always have it that way, we're here to tell you you don't need it. If your priority is you're going to go do the sickest thing you've ever done and you're sending, go do it love that for you. If your priority is you're going to do something chill and laugh and have a lot of snacks and hang out with your friends, love that. Go do it. Great. You don't have to constantly compare to where you could or should be, or you don't have to compare to what your personal limit is or what someone else's limit is. I think it's okay to just go to the store and try a new raisin to use an analogy that that Emily talked about earlier. I feel like this raisin thing has gone really far. I love I like raisins. I love raisins, but I don't know if I love love raisins as much as this podcast is uh, highlighting. But uh, yeah, so I used to live off of FOMO so hard. It just totally fueled everything. I remember I was in third year uni and I was not sleeping because I had to like 
work really hard in school and I had to make money for school. And I also had to make friends with like every single person I could. And I had to do every activity and learn every skill. And it was just totally, totally exhausting. And so something that I found is I had this mental checklist of all this shit that I wanted to do in order to feel like I had accomplished granola girl. And I had to travel to these places to be a girl that traveled. I had to climb this many times, even a month at that point to be a climber. But, you know, that's just not true. You know, like you can settle into your own identity and you can settle into your own skin without doing all of those things. And I find that the secret to it is really just being in the moment and not worrying too much about these outside qualifiers. Yeah. So really to sum up, I think it's all about just living in the moment. It's really all that you have and leaning into your own identity and, you know, not feeling too worried about it. I think at the end of the day, it's about giving a bit less of a shit and just having a good time. Yeah, I totally agree, Emily. And I feel like this, I talked about at the beginning of the podcast that Emily is a really good person to have kind of life chats with. And I feel like this episode was kind of one big life chat. And I think, again, I feel like I got a lot out of it. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will really relate to a lot of the things that you brought up. Yeah, thanks, Sally. You're also excellent at having life chats with and you too, Emma. Yeah, Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast because I feel like this entire life chat that we just had is so relevant to not just our listeners, but like wildly basic brand as a whole, making space your own and not being persuaded or um, not feeling the pressures that come with expectations of certain stereotypes, just being more confident and feeling empowered in the outdoor spaces. So thank you so much for everything. listening to wildly basic don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts we're also on instagram at wildly basic podcast our marketing director is emma our editor-in-chief is ali artwork by emma music and sound by ali co-hosted by emma and ali thanks for tuning in happy Happy trails. trails